This episode is brought to you by Gato Negro Wines. Find them on Facebook at facebook.com slash Gato Negro Wine. Check them out on Instagram, username Gato Negro Wine. Sip the terror of your favorite TV series with Gato Negro Wines. Gato Negro, adored everywhere. is The Talking Dead, a podcast dedicated to the AMC TV show, The Walking Dead. Hi, my name is Jason. And I'm Chris. And this is The Talking Dead, episode number 317, recorded on Thursday, March 30th, 2017. And it better be the end of friggin' winter, Jason, because it is, as we speak, snowing outside. I drove home from work today in the rain. As I was getting to my house, it turned to snow, and I thought, it's March 30th. What the crap is going on? Isn't there an out like a lion, in like a lamb kind of thing going on in March, too? Like, it's, it's, it came in like a lamb, it goes out like a lion? Well, I don't care how it's going out. I want it to go out. <laughs> I don't give a shit about your damn <laughs> sayings. I want it this to go out. This winter just better be over. I want it to go out like spring. And it is not like spring at all. Now I have to drive like 50 kilometers tomorrow morning in the friggin' snow, and I'm not happy at all about it. I can tell, Christopher. Yeah. I you can get through it, Chris. I believe in you. Thanks. I appreciate that. But I'd much rather be getting through it in the spring and having a nice sunny day with, you know, warm 15 degrees and tulips blooming. Okay. Or something, but that's not happening. you tiptoe through those tulips? I may, I may. I'm going to take off my shoes and tiptoe barefoot. Anyways, that's what's going on with the weather here, as we like to update sometimes, uh, which I'm sure everyone is fascinated by. Uh But what we are here primarily to do is recap the feedback for the most recent episode of The Walking Dead, which was the second last one of season seven. And it was called Something They Need. So let's get right started into our feedback, Mr. Miles. Cool, my friend. Listener feedback. All righty. We got a fair bit today. And and at the end of the show, um, I actually want to talk about what's uh, coming up next time on The Walking Dead, just briefly, because we got a couple of emails about that. And I think there's a few things we can run through there looking forward. But... Lots of feedback to get to before that. The first one here is John in Connecticut. It's an email and John writes, for last night's episode, something they need. What they need is a new creative writing team. All I took away from this was Rick's group is far worse than Negan and his saviors. At least with Negan, you know where you stand. But with Rick's group, they proved they're hypocrites. What they did to the seaside community was exactly what the saviors did to them, but worse. When the seaside community didn't want to help, Rick went all Negan on them, threatening to kill them, etc. You can't have it both ways. All respect was lost for Rick's group after seeing this behavior. Well, shit, that's right. Well, what do you think about that? This is something we've touched on in the past, that sometimes good or bad is a matter of perspective. And we've been following Rick's group for seven years. They've done some pretty bad things. And if we'd been following Negan's group for 
this long, I'm sure we could say they've done some pretty good things. So how do you yeah, feel? It's it's a matter of do the ends justify the means, right? The uh, the ends for Negan, their entire uh, reason for doing this is to uh, you know make the their satellite communities subservient to them and provide them with the goods and services they need to survive. Right. So that's, you know, just it's very self-serving. So they're doing this in order to serve themselves. Whereas Rick is doing pretty much the same thing, you know, rolling into a community and saying, we need all your guns. They did not take their mattresses. Note. Rick did not take all their mattresses. Uh, very true. Very true. But they took all the weapons. Uh, but the ends in this case are a little more benevolent. I mean, they're trying to get rid of Negan for the good of all the communities and not just themselves. So do the ends justify the means? Uh, Maybe in a a fictional world, but in the real world, what you do or how you do it is just as important as uh, why you do it. Yeah, that's a very, very good point. Um, But... I, I don't know, man, like Rick rolled into to Oceanside, took all their guns. Yes, was extremely arrogant about it. Yes, threatened them. But he didn't actually beat anyone over the head with a baseball bat to teach them Neither a lesson. Did. Well, you know, Negan started out doing that, but when he rolled up to take all their guns and stuff, he didn't beat anybody with a baseball bat. No, I know that, but he, I mean, that's how he introduced himself. But, well, but, they introduced themselves by blowing up a bunch of shit and scaring the crap out of all the women and children and making everybody run feeling that they're going to die because there's explosions going off everywhere. Okay, so what we're saying is that Rick and our group of so-called heroes are just as bad and just as scary as Negan and the Saviors. It just depends how you look at it. It is. It, it does depend on how you look at it, and I think John is right. Uh, Rick and the gang did a bad thing. And it's there's there's no real way to justify it. I mean, you can uh, you can justify it on a logical level, but where do you draw that line, right? Like the needs of the many outweigh the the needs of the few or the one. You know, do you kill somebody in order to save thirty people? Do you throw somebody in front of a train in order to save thirty people that may have been killed later on by that train? Uh, you know the only right thing to do in that situation is to throw yourself in front of the train because throwing somebody else in front of the train is wrong no matter why you do it. So what Rick did was wrong uh, in scaring these people and threatening to kill them and then taking all their stuff. Yeah, and and you could, I think, argue that what Rick has been doing for seven years, almost every action he's taken from one perspective is wrong. Yeah, maybe Rick's the bad guy. Maybe he is. Maybe he's the bad guy. Maybe it's all Maybe. bad guys. Maybe there are no good people left in the zombie apocalypse. There's got to be somebody good. Who's good? <laughs> Glenn was good. Oh, darn. Glenn look what happened to good. him. Uh, Abraham was okay. I don't know. It's easy to say dead people are good, but they've all done their fair share of um, questionable things too. So Yeah, and you know, uh, dead people aren't responsible for what they do after they die. I'm just saying. Uh, very true. Very true. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I just think it's an interesting point. It's, it's hard to say who's, who comes out, you know, winning the, uh, good versus bad sort of contest here. 
Yeah, maybe it's not about good versus evil. You know, like Star Wars was about good versus evil. This is about survival, right? It's about alive versus dead. So, you know, maybe we have to color everything in a shade of gray. Like maybe Negan's bad because he's other, right? He's not us. We are Rick and the gang. We're following Rick and the gang through the world, through their survival. So he's on the us side and Negan is on the them side. And that inherently makes him bad. And that's the only real yardstick we can use. Yeah, well, it's a reflection of of real life these days. You know, us versus them is a real problem in the world right now. It is. And clearly it is here too, so. Yeah. All right. Thanks, John. Uh, Next, we have a call from George in the Mitten. What's up? This is Ray. I mean, George from the Mitten. Yeah, I never put that together. But now as I'm listening to myself, I am hearing Ray Romano in me. Thanks, but... (laughs) It's, uh, it's all good. Take it as a compliment. Oh. You still love that show. Everyone loves Raymond. So we, I'll, I'll continue that in a second, but we pointed out that, or at least I did, I thought that uh, George sounded like Ray Romano, and apparently, apparently that had never come up in his life before, so I'm glad he could take it as a compliment. Man, you didn't ruin George, did you? No, I hope not. It doesn't sound like I ruined George. George sounds like a great guy who just happens to be a Ray Romano impersonator. Okay, Ray Romano is... Uh... You know, he's a good guy too, right? I never watched the show, but, you know, I'm sure he's a nice man. Yeah, I'm sure he is. I don't know a lot about him either. I just, I heard his voice and I heard George's voice and I think it's the same guy. Okay. Well, George, to make you feel better, uh, I don't know if you know this or have ever seen a picture of me, but I may post a picture of me when I was younger. When I was younger, I looked almost exactly like Peter Brady. (laughs) <laughs> and to the point where people called me Peter Brady in high school. Well, there I'll, you go. Uh, I'll put that together for you, George, and uh, we'll put that on the secret uh, the secret page link. I'll do a side by each with uh, me and Peter Brady. Talkingdeadpodcast.com slash pictures. It probably won't be up there right away, but if Jason can find it, we'll throw it well, up there. I got to source the picture of Peter Brady and I got to find a picture of me when I was in high school. So it may take a little bit of time, but uh, yeah, I, I got Peter Brady. All right, great. Uh, yeah, that's it. Sorry, we can move on now. <laughs> that's all right. Here's the rest of uh, George slash Ray's call. All right, on to the show. I agree with you from the last episode, Jason, about why they had Michonne in that tree, and I was fearful of something happening bad because she has got awful with that sniper rifle. And I'm pretty sure... More than once, I've seen her take out that many zombies just by herself with her sword. So I don't understand them wasting all the bullets and noise and opening all that fire up on zombies when at times they've been super quiet and wanting to kill zombies and they've had less people. They had like an army there about two or three times amount of zombies there were. I don't think there's more than 20 zombies, and I'm pretty sure Michonne could have took them all out herself with her sword. All right. Looking forward to this last episode. Talk with you guys soon. Bye. All right. Thanks, man. So putting Michonne in the tree with the rifle, probably not the best call when she's so proficient with the sword. Well, they needed somebody in that tree, and what were they going to put Carl up there with uh, looking through his uh, his eye patch to <laughs> shoot things? <laughs> no, you're not going to do that because he's going to be even worse. But you can't put Daryl up there because he's a crossbow guy. You can't put Jesus up there because he's pretty valuable on the ground as well, at least for sneaking around. 
and they don't have Sasha with them. They yeah. don't have Maggie with them. So I don't know. You're sort of they're they're low on sniper capable people. They really are. Uh, you know, yeah. The only maybe Tara. You think they could teach her how to shoot a rifle? Well, probably, but they needed Tara. She was the only one who knew Oceanside. She needed oh, yeah. to to go in and gather gather up the the, the people, or for some s- reason, sneak into Natanya's house. Yeah, so they couldn't put reason. her up there for some reason. <laughs> uh, uh, and Rick. Yeah, okay, he's... so I guess that was the only real uh, the only real option because she was the only one who had a, a, a an unproperly sighted uh, sniper or hunting rifle. Improperly or unproperly? Un undisproper. Properatedly. Okay, perfect. Uh, sighted. All right. Uh, so I think they were just out of people. They didn't have the ones they needed, so they just had to go with Michonne, who was uh, the best they could find at the time. I Maybe guess. they just needed a spotter. You know, stick somebody up, stick Father Gabriel up there for crying out loud. He can look at things and go, hey, I see something. That's, That's true. all they needed. It's true. Actually, Father Gabe might have been a, a decent option up there. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's true. So should have been Father Gabe. Michonne could have taken out all the zombies with her sword. Uh, and that would have been an awesome scene to watch. I I agree. Okay, next up is a call from our old friend Angie in Birmingham. Hi, guys. It's Angie in Birmingham. Um, I'm only about 15 minutes into your podcast. And I'm at the bit where you're moaning about not seeing um, Sasha break in. I'm really, really, really glad we didn't have 10, 15 minutes of shite that we've seen before uh watching a second very secondary actress um i'm sorry but sasha really is a background character um do something that we know that she's doing i mean she's breaking in i mean what is she going to do she's going to fight some people she's going to get caught we don't need to see that we we, we've still you know we know that's what's happened that's why she's in a cell she broke into kill negan she failed she got caught um Everything that we needed to know was shown in that, um, you know, that sequence. It was, we, we just didn't need to see it. And I really am starting to feel sorry for the writers, showrunners, producers now, because it seems to be, um, I don't know what's going on, but it's almost fashionable to knock the show at the moment. They can't seem to get anything right. After every episode, there's some news article, some BuzzFeed article, something saying, Walking Dead have cocked this up, they've done this wrong, they've done that wrong, they've done the other. And I don't quite get it. Um, At the moment, I am absolutely loving this season, with the exception of um, Tara's episode, I think it was episode six, and episode two. Um, I think the pacing's been fine, I think the story's been great. Um, I'm loving it, and I can't wait to see All Out War um, next season. Um... Anyway, and the other thing is, I just wanted to say how glad I was that Eugene confirmed what he's doing. The poor guy is terrified. Uh, He doesn't want to see anybody else get hurt. And how is the best way to do that? Uh, Ally yourself with the guy who's doing the hurting. Um, That way he doesn't have to witness all the nasty shit that's going down, uh, which is what I thought was pretty obvious to see uh, beforehand. But you know, the guy doesn't have a master plan. He's not epically brave. He's just trying to survive and save his sanity uh, whilst he's doing so. I mean, all he has ever been out to do is to survive. Uh, and his best way he's done that is just through lying and manipulating people. And that's what he's continuing to do. 
It's just unfortunate that he's had to ally himself with the guy who's just butchered his best friend and a member of his family. Uh, I can't imagine what that would do to somebody's psyche. Um, Anyway, looking forward to the finale and I will speak to you soon. Thanks. Bye, guys. So do you think, Jason, that people have been unfairly harsh or hard on season seven, as Angie said early on in her call there? Uh, I think that uh, we have been harsh. I'm not sure how unfair it, it it is. That's my feeling too. Um, I think, you know, I'm going to wait until season seven is completely wrapped up next week and in the can. And, uh, you know, I'm sure we'll do a crossover recap with Jason and Karen from the walking dead cast. Again, we haven't really talked about that yet, but I'm sure we'll do it <laughs> now that I've said Honestly, it. Why not? No, exactly. Um, so you know, I know we can judge individual episodes. Um, we can judge most of the season at this point, but of course it's not quite done yet. But I feel like season seven has not worked all that well for me in general. I think I've been a little bit more negative overall than I have positive, even though there's been stuff, some stuff that's been great. Uh, I had a hard time with the first half of the season, even though once it was all said and done, I kind of realized what they were trying to do in that they wanted the audience to suffer just kind of like the way Rick was. So, but I didn't, I didn't enjoy that really, even from a viewer standpoint. So, um, so I've been a little more hard on it, I think, uh, but to each their own, you know, I'm glad that Angie is really loving it. That's, that's great. That's why we do this. And it's why we do feedback shows because everyone has different opinions on stuff. Absolutely. Well, I'm going to do something you're going to hate here, Jason, (laughs) and it's going to totally screw you up. Oh, yeah? What's Um, that, Christopher? I'm moving an email from later on in the feedback up into this position, so uh, I'm going to read it so that we can stay on target, and then you can do the one you were supposed to read. You're a good man, Chris. And then later on, we'll have to do this again so that we don't get off target. (laughs) Yeah, okay. Let me clarify. You're a good man and horrible all at the same time. All all at the same time. That's right. All right. Uh, Lee in Devon wrote, why on earth did they skip over Sasha's assault on the sanctuary? They put out a hashtag at the end of episode 14, hashtag Sasha is coming. I was really looking forward to seeing her going all Rambo. Instead of that, we got hashtag Sasha is captured and no blaze of glory. Yeah, I get, well, we might get a blaze of glory next episode. We may. Um, I don't know, but they, I, I never saw the hashtag Sasha is coming, but that does kind of imply we're going to see Sasha do something other than just show up in a cell. Yeah. Luckily, I, I ignore all, uh, well, social, social media in general and uh, Walking Dead information in particular. So I never saw that and never clouded my judgment. Yeah, yeah, that's right. You don't understand the internet and you specifically stay away <laughs> from Walking Dead stuff so that, uh, you know, as you say, it doesn't taint your opinion at all before you make it known publicly on this podcast. Yeah, I like to have my uh, my opinion or what I think un- untainted. Yeah, well, I agree. I think that's good. I think that's one of the things that I love about you. Yeah, that's nice. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you, Angie and Lee in Devon for that. Um, anything about uh, what Angie was saying about Eugene and how he's just aligning himself with the person that has the potential to keep him the safest. I think that's exactly what he's doing. And it's the same thing he did with Abraham and the same thing he did with, uh, Rick and the gang. And now it's what he's doing with, uh, with the saviors and being Negan. So completely it, not it, 
out of character at all for Eugene. This is what he does. He knows he's kind of incapable when it comes to surviving by himself. So why not stick with the people that he has the best chance of living with? Absolutely. And he also has the best chance of getting body armor here. So we can uh, once again start calling him the armored pierogi. Oh, yes, the Armored Pierogi. That's amazing. Uh, yeah, I like that name. We should go back to that. <laughs> <laughs> we should. Forget Eugene. Yeah. All right, so next we have an email from D in Texas. The scene with Maggie and Gregory is very telling. Maggie knows that Gregory is not worth the blueberry bush she was digging up, so she gave him an opportunity to show himself as a leader. Not only did he not kill the walkers, he didn't even offer to assist with the blueberry bush. Then the other Hilltop uh, survivors confirmed that Gregory is worthless. This reminds me of the flashback we had with Eugene and Abraham's meeting. Eugene knows he's a coward, helpful at times, but a coward regardless. Gregory is just a drunk and not worth much. Yeah, what can Gregory do? He can't kill zombies. He's I, How can you get this deep into the zombie apocalypse and never have killed one? Well, he lives in the... Uh, you know, pretend house and he just stays inside and then they made the walls and now he's protected inside and, uh, has his, uh, assistant bringing him booze. What's his assistant's Cal. name? Cal. Yeah. Cal. It, that's a pretty lucky existence when you think about the fact that civilization crumbles, the dead are returning and you have somehow managed to have hidden in that house and become the leader of a somewhat successful community in the zombie apocalypse that's pretty nuts to be that in incapable of doing anything yet living that comfortable a life yeah he's a garbage person he's a garbage person just a drunk and not worth much he's not worth much no (laughs) all right thanks d next up is sean in richmond virginia come on guys get off the enid thing already it is not her she is extremely loyal to maggie and has never given any reason to believe she is a spy just look at how the saviors have harassed her whenever they've been around do you really believe this would be okay if she was negan's spy absolutely not not to mention she was uh on the scene long before the saviors even knew about alexandria well how do you think they found out yeah, I mean, how do you know that? How do you know that um, that Negan doesn't have spies out in all the communities? And how do you know they weren't there well before he made himself known? You know, he he's not a stupid guy. He's a little no. arrogant, I think. But if you're going to approach a community, you want to have all of the information ahead of time. You want to know what their schedule is like. You want to know what their lookout guard station. Um, uh, how they work that stuff, you know, how, how they, how they keep watch. You want to know what kind of supplies they have. You want to know how capable they are at defending themselves against the dead. And then you stroll up and beat somebody in the head with a baseball bat and tell them to give you half their stuff. Yeah. Right. I, I'm not entirely convinced that Enid is a spy, but, uh, I think it's, it's interesting. Just some of the, uh, the information that Negan knows and, uh, you know, her, uh, her reaction to certain bits of information that she hears, uh, you know, you know, that she's within earshot. And I think that every bit of information that, uh, Negan knows that we don't know, you know, the information we don't know where he got it from, uh, that he knows about, Enid was in the room when they, when, uh, when she found out. Well, we do have a lot of emails here coming up about Enid and her potential spyness. Uh, the next one isn't directly about that, but it is about the little birdie. So why don't we get into that one? 
All right, so Derek from Georgia. My theory is that the little birdie is someone from the scavengers. I think that they are not a group of our uh, a group our survivors should trust at all. I believe they will turn on our group and line with Negan. Heck, they might already have been uh, might already even be saviors in disguise. Right. So take Enid out of the equation for a second, and maybe the scavengers are the ones already working with Negan. There's, we don't really have any reason to believe that they're not. In fact, it's not even clear to me, I don't think anyways, if that the scavengers really have any awareness or dealings with Negan, because it's not like Negan sending a crew to take half of their stuff that we know of. Well, they don't know about the scavengers. They're just living in a junk pile. I mean, why would, uh, why would Simon care about a junk pile? Well, that's what I'm saying. So if, if Negan, Negan and his group, the saviors either don't know about the scavengers or know about them, but don't care, or the scavengers are part of Negan's crew already. And Rick is going to be stabbed in the back by them. Yep. So there's a lot of options there for sure. And I think there's just as much reason to believe that the little birdie could have come from one of those scavengers as anywhere else. That's true. So who knows? All right. Uh, back to Enid, we got Chris in Syracuse and he writes, I am one of the people who believe the double agent storyline with Enid. When Negan says a little birdie told me, who could he actually be referring to? Gregory hasn't told Simon anything yet, except that somebody may try to take over the hilltop. So not Gregory. The only one we know that could get info to him is Enid. I believe that her story about what happened to her parents is a cover-up. They ran into the saviors and her father was killed and her mother is being held at the sanctuary. Enid is made a spy or her mother is killed. I think this will be revealed very soon. Carl and Enid had a few moments this episode and are getting a bit closer. What a betrayal once he finds out she was double-crossing him. Don't forget the pickles she gave Maggie, which triggered her sickness and subsequent road trip to the hilltop. This would be the biggest WTF moment because the evidence of this has been so subtle. Oh my God, pickles. Who else do we know has pickles? Well, we know they made a big deal of showing us that the saviors have a pickle maker, right? Yes, There's someone who exactly. makes pickles. Eugene takes the pickles. He held on to them for an entire episode. Uh, um, Enid brings pickles to Maggie. It just seems kind of coincidental. Like, does some, does one of the writing staff just love pickles? Well, I know I do. Remember that time we drank pickle juice? You and I drank pickle juice on the friggin' air. That was hilarious. Yeah, that was good. <laughs> so pickles play a big part. You know, maybe, uh, yeah, I think pickles are the connecting force in this whole series of, uh, at least this season, uh, or in the last season. So yeah, I think there might be a pickle connection. A pickle connection. That's a name, that's a name for an album right there. It, maybe. A My next album, maybe. Or, or maybe a band. My next band, Pickle Connection. Self-titled album. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Anyways, I just... The, the pickle thing is weird. And, and Chris said, you know, this would be crazy because all the evidence has been so subtle. I mean, yes, on one hand, it's subtle, but it kind of stands out when you think about it. Hey, Maggie, here's some pickles. Oops, you got sick. And then we see pickles being made. And, you know, they make a big deal of him taking the pickles at Negan's house. So I don't know. I mean, that may not be that subtle when you think about it. And, yeah. and I don't know what to think anymore. 
Yeah, I think there's. I think pickles are going to play a big part in the next episode. I do find it fascinating, though. I, I, I had totally written off the Enid as a spy thing a while ago, but it's all coming back, and I'm actually <laughs> really super curious about how this is going to play out. Uh, yeah, me too. <laughs> all right, next we have a call from Chris in Michigan. Hey, Chris and Jason. This is Chris from Michigan again. I just wanted to have a few comments uh, on the Enid spy. Uh, debate. Uh, I, like you guys, dismissed it up until this episode. Uh, I didn't think it really made much sense, but thinking back now and some of the things I've seen makes me think that she is a spy. One is going all the way back to the comments when people thought that Enid had somehow poisoned Maggie and tipped off the saviors, that they were going to be going to the hilltop. Well, what was it that she was eating when she went down? Pickles. Pickles. What have we recently learned? Someone from the Saviors at the Sanctuary uh, Pickles. is able to make. Oh. Pickles. Pickles. What have Pickles. they made a big deal of lately with Eugene? Pickles. Pickles. What, have, what have Chris the and I made a big deal of? The second thing is Pickles. the little birdie comment. Well, that just happened to come about immediately after Simon's group had returned from the hilltop. So they saw Enid there. I'm thinking this is the first time that Enid had been able to inter, uh, interact with the saviors since Rick had decided to go on the attack. So she saw them there. Her contact went back and told Negan. So there's my thoughts on that. Uh, have a good one, guys. Bye. Yep, pickles. It all comes down to the pickles. Yeah, we agree with Chris. Definitely. And how Enid is always in the room when they're talking about their plans. It feels like. It does feel like that. I, I you know, that's just a gut feeling. I don't I'd have to go back and rewatch the entire last two seasons to to make sure. But uh that's my suspicion. We'll get on that before Sunday, would you? You've got a few days. Yeah, Co- yeah. A couple I'm days. Not, I'm not doing nothing. <laughs> no, you're not. You don't have anything to do. Watch the whole <laughs> two, last two seasons. Come on. Yeah. Uh okay, who's next? Me? You is next. Well, this is another Chris, this one in the UK. And Chris writes, Enid's not a spy. (laughs) Who is Negan's little birdie? We know he has the manpower to spy on our group. The whole plan in the last season finale demonstrated that there is a shit ton of saviors and they must have had some idea what the Alexandrians were up to. Surely he has Rick under surveillance. Doesn't need to be anyone we know. I imagine they'll explain it in a line of dialogue next week. If the group was seen visiting Hilltop and the Kingdom, that's probably enough for Negan to put two and two together. So I wanted to include this one because Chris said, I imagine they'll explain it in a line of dialogue next week. And what he's saying is there'll be a conversation between Negan and somebody, maybe one of even our people, where Negan just confirms that we have eyes everywhere. Right. And I will find that wholly unsatisfying i think absolutely i think it'd be better if uh if negan had a uh, uh a bunch of drones that uh, were just flying around spying on people because why not i mean drones are sitting in stores right now you know if there was a zombie apocalypse you know that's a free-for-all go get some drones fly them around find out what the hell the zombies are doing from the air find out what <laughs> other people are doing from the air well i mean he has he has his you know food situation under control he's got his 
shelter situation under control. He's got his multiple wife situation under control and he's pretty well protected. So next step, drones. Yeah. And that's why I don't get drones because I do not have the multiple wife situation under control. So I just, I have to go get through that step before I can start getting my, uh, my army of drones. Army of drones doesn't seem right. Flock of drones, murder of drones, like murder of crows. It could be, could be any of those things, but I uh, just keep, keep working on your multiple wife situation, Jason. Someday you'll get it down. Yeah. I'm, you know, I've got a, you know, a bit of a campaign going. You know? <laughs> good. I just, you know, I'm spreading the idea. It's got to be subtle, but uh, yeah, it's going, it's going good. Good. Very good. <laughs> All right. Next we have an email from Charlie in Raleigh, North Carolina, USA. I assume that Rick and his group were always cautious when traveling or returning to Alexandria with weapons. What if the saviors ran into them on the road while they had their weapon, uh, while they had their weapon supply? Are they stashing them in another location? Also, Daryl is with them in plain view on a motorcycle. This would all be a waste or lead to an immediate conflict if they ran into the saviors on the road, or the saviors arrived unannounced to find the weapons at Alexandria. Shouldn't Rick assume that the saviors are watching them all the time? It just looks like significant risks are being taken without this being considered. If I am stressed about this, shouldn't they be as well? Not only with weapons, but now with Daryl and Dwight in Alexandria. Right. So what Charlie is saying is that they're gathering these weapons for the scavengers and stealing them from Oceanside and then just driving around with them. So what if the saviors, you know, they run into a group of saviors on the road somewhere and then Daryl's riding around on a loud motorcycle all by himself with no helmet on, you know, it is does seem a little bit unnecessarily risky. If you need to move Daryl, hide him in the RV. At least he can not be visible to the general public then. Or strap him underneath it. Get a couple of belts, strap him underneath the uh, the RV and drive around that way. You'll never find him. Yeah, well, either way, just keep him out of damn sight. You know, he's supposed to be hiding. He's not supposed to be riding around on a motorcycle all the time. Absolutely. And yeah, if- they, they, I think Charlie's right. They're taking unnecessary risks. You know, bringing the whole point of having Daryl hanging out at uh, the hilltop and uh, hanging, or, you know, talking about giving him sanctuary with the kingdom is that they don't want him in Alexandria because that's where Negan is going to be looking for him on a regular basis. Yeah. So what do they do? They get on a loud motorcycle, they grab a bunch of guns, and they drive right back to Alexandria, open up the gates wide, and now friggin' uh, Dwight is there. Come on, man. Yeah, it, it seems a little unnecessarily risky. I mean, I guess they're just thinking, what else are we going to do with these? They delivered a bunch to the scavengers and the rest they needed to help them take over or take them from Oceanside. But I don't know. You're right. They went straight back to Alexandria. Dwight's there. As soon as Negan realized Dwight's gone, is he going to go to Alexandria? Maybe not. Maybe he thinks Dwight's gone well, no, he's not going to think he's gone looking for his wife because he convinced Negan that uh, she's dead. So yeah. either way, it's it does feel kind of risky. And they were traveling in the middle of the day, bright daylight. So I'm sure one of Negan's drones would have got a good look at Daryl on the motorcycle. Yeah. You know? So yeah, they're taking unnecessary risks. Go just drive straight to the scavengers and say, we got more guns and then they can talk weird at them for a while and get everything settled. Right? Well, yeah. Like, why bring them back? Just bring them to the scavengers. Either the they're screwed anyway because they're going to give the weapons to somebody who's already aligned with uh, Negan and the saviors, or they're 
that the saviors don't know about the scavengers so that they now that they have the guns everybody's on board hey can we stash this dude here for a little while sure no problem they go back to alexandria find out that uh, dwight is back there it's like why did you bring this guy here that was stupid <laughs> and then you put him on his knees and you blow his head off and then you move on with your life that i don't think that's going to happen in the season finale but it kind of seemed like it at the end of this episode when yeah. when uh, Rick asked him to get down on his knees. So Well, none of that's going to happen or, or happen, but I think that that's all the logical things that should happen. Yeah. Can you imagine if, if Daryl did stay with the scavengers for a while? He'd, he'd come back talking in like weird monosyllabic sentences. Oh, he'd have a weird haircut and he'd be talking strange. Wait a and... minute. He already kind of does that. <laughs> Both of those oh, things. Yeah. <laughs> See, he's already on the slippery slope. He might fit in just fine over there with the scavengers. <laughs> he's, yeah, he'd be fine. All right. Uh, next up is a call from Laura in Centerville, Virginia. Hi, guys. This is Laura calling from Centerville, Virginia, just right outside of Washington, D.C. I am a longtime listener first-time caller, so excited to send this in. I'm just listening to this week's podcast, and I have a thought on who the little birdie is that Negan is talking about. Um, At some point in the episode, we see Gregory call for his minion to bring the car around. He wants to go somewhere, and we know that he has a drawn-out map that um, we assume is going to lead him to the sanctuary. So I have a feeling that the little birdie is Gregory. Um, The timeline has always been played with in The Walking Dead. So it's possible that Gregory has already arrived at the sanctuary um, by the time we see Negan go into the cell where Sasha is. So that's my take. Just a a thought on that. But um, I do like the Enid fan theory, but I have a feeling it could be Gregory, who is our little birdie. He's he's not so happy that Maggie's taking over at the hilltop. He knows that the group wants to fight back, and I think he has a little bit of anger towards that. So that's my thought. Thanks again for the podcast. You guys keep my week fresh and exciting, so uh, I appreciate all that you do, and I'll talk to you guys soon. Well, thank you, Laura, for uh, calling in for the first time. I should have put this one before the one before. I try to order these as well as I can, but I'm uh, kind of dumb, so sometimes don't, don't it's hard. I apologize. Everything's good. We're all, right. all it's all getting out in the open. <laughs> you know, the order is is nice, but it's not really important. Yeah, I know, but still, I like to I like to do a good job. And when I get the order wrong, I feel like I've failed everybody. You have not. You're doing good works here, Chris. All right. Well, what do you think about the idea that Gregory maybe is the one and they've messed around with the timeline showing us Gregory deciding to go to the um, uh, sanctuary after we find out that Negan had a little birdie tell him something? That could be. It could be Cal, you know? It could be Cal that's uh, that's the the little birdie. Uh, It could be Gregory. It could be Cal. It, you know... I want to find out who the little birdie is. I don't think it's Cal. I think there's a small chance that it's Gregory. I feel like for for some reason, I feel like this wouldn't be a situation where they'd mess with the timeline at all or show us something later that happened earlier. I don't I don't know why. I just can't see a reason to do it this way. You it's know, like they would give everybody shortwave radios so they could make calls. <laughs> yeah, that might be helpful. Rather than, you know, like, here's my address, come see me anytime, we'll have a, we'll have some, we'll have drinks and you can tell me all about your problems and I'll help and, uh, you know, fix you up there. 
yeah. mister. I'll tell the guard uh, to know, let you in, you know? Yeah, yeah. Instead of all that, you know, just give him a shortwave radio. Here's a ham radio. You know, <laughs> call me. You know, it works better at night. See ya. <laughs> right. Yeah, that would make it easier for sure. And then I could believe that the call came in earlier or something like that. But Gregory has to do all this other stuff. He has to travel there. I mean, he's he, not good at traveling. He has to get driven there by Cal, you know. So I, I just I can't see any reason to mess with the, the storyline this way. You know, it, it works when, oh, they show you the end at the beginning and then you jump back in time and see where you get to that end. Because the end is such a shocking thing by itself that it's it's fascinating to see how to how they got to that point, right? Yeah. And it can be fun and, and stuff like that. In this case, it's just one little thing. It is kind of mysterious, but I just don't see the point of doing it backwards. I'm not saying that's not going to happen. It could be Gregory. But at this point, <laughs> I think I'm more on board with the Enid theory yeah. than I am with the Gregory theory. I think so, but I'm I'm starting to warm up with the Cal theory. I don't know where you got Cal, man. He's always just hanging around outside the door, bringing bottles of booze to Greg. Hanging around outside the door. He's listening. He's got a glass for the booze. He's got the glass up against the door. He's listening to shit. Right. He's the, the Hilltop's Enid. He's always around listening to stuff. Yeah, and we've already dismissed him, so he's, he's perfect cover. You're and right. He's a named character. You know, they can't just pull up an unnamed character because that would feel cheap, but they've got Cal as a named character in the, uh, in, in the series. Yeah. Okay. I think we have a 1% chance that it's Cal, uh, and I can't put a percentage on the other ones. <laughs> yeah. Maybe Cal and Enid are brother and sister. Huh? You never know. You, you never, never know. know. They're in cahoots uh, somehow. They're yeah, spies some kind of have, cahoot. Spies that have, have traded locations or something. Yeah. All right. So next we have an email from, from, uh, Marilee in Cheektowaga, New York. I thought not seeing what happened to Sasha was well done. Frankly, at the end of the previous episode, I just assumed that she was killed and that we were going to see her on the fence covered in molten metal. Seeing her in the cell really shocked me. Oh, now see the order's wrong again. I should have put this up near the beginning. Anyways, uh, I would have been so disappointed if Sasha just was dead after this episode. She runs in. We never see her again. Sure, it would have been shocking to see poor Sasha on the on the fence, but that would have been just such a letdown to have, you know, a, not a primary character, but pretty close to a primary character be killed off screen. Yeah. And I, I generally don't like that in uh, in my media. Like they, I'm disappointed in another movie that something similar happened. Uh, they did exactly that, and I was very annoyed with that, even though it was touted as a great movie. A recent but, movie? Uh, fairly recent. I, I don't want to spoil anything. Is the problem? Right, right, right. Last ten years. Yeah, last ten years. Okay, I know the movie. Yeah. So you don't uh, like okay. off-screen deaths. I don't like off-screen deaths, especially of a main character. If it's a background character, you can say, oh, he died. And you'd be like, yeah, right. And then they come back later on because you never, you know, unless you see somebody die, uh, they're probably going to come back. And even then, even if you do see somebody die, it's possible that they would come back. But, you know, killing somebody off-screen just seems kind of cheap. And they did that in another TV show. I'm going to spoil House because they did that in in a House episode as well. Uh, Cal Penn was a main character on that uh, on that show and then he got he moved to another show and so they killed him off on house sorry if i'm spoiling house for you 
or anybody, but uh, and they killed him off off screen, which I thought was disappointing. The Walking Dead did it. Who was that guy that was with the governor early on? And uh, we met the actor in Atlanta, and then he disappeared, and he never came back. And apparently, the character's dead. I forget. I forget his name. There was some controversy over his name too. He was a yeah. he was a pretty. Uh, minor character. He's one of the governor's sort of henchmen that was hanging around in the background all the time. Yeah. So, yeah, if you're going to kill somebody, if you're going to kill a main character, kill him on screen. Let's get some plot here. Absolutely. So, I'm glad they didn't, uh, I'm glad they didn't kill Sasha off screen like that. Me too. Very, very much so. So now you got to read the next one, which is not the next one. (laughs) No, I got it. So next we have an email from Beth in Scotland. Uh, Beth writes, my holy crap moment for this week was a wee scene right at the start of the episode. Carl and Enid, Enid are having a deep chat, and she asks him if she, if he ever thinks about the people he's killed. And in the background, Tara just kind of looks up as if to say, really? Kids these days. <laughs> I just loved it. Really enjoying Tara this season. Yeah, I went back and checked out that scene. Tara is in the background there. The camera swings around a little bit, and Tara's just standing there and then kind of looks over at them. Not really with any obvious expression on her face but it was sort of funny like that she was just standing there listening to these kids just talk about something that sounds so serious but not taking them seriously yeah it was funny uh kj in atlanta georgia writes did you guys catch the meaningful glance between jesus and beatrice the lady with short hair that uh, tried to kill tara in the episode swear it was while rick and friends had them all at gunpoint I think Jesus has been to Oceanside before and was able to keep the secret that Tara has failed to. Well, why didn't Jesus say something to Tara then? Uh, Or to the group saying, why would he still keep the secret? Like once the secret's out, wouldn't he say, yeah, I know those guys? Right. You're saying once Tara revealed the fact that she knows where there's a bunch of guns, it's a place called Oceanside, then Jesus could step up and say, oh yeah, I've been there. I know this lady Beatrice. She's nice. She has a short haircut. We should go see her. Yeah. Or something like, I know these these people, they're not going to help us. Uh, You know, I think we should leave them alone or something. I just, I I think he would have stepped up. But then again, you know, if he stepped up, it would have been like, Jesus, why didn't you tell us about these people earlier? I mean, for crying out loud. And, you know, he would feel bad. So maybe he just kept a secret to, uh, you know, to save face. And then uh, when they showed up uh, a little bit later, when they showed up at, uh, at Oceanside, Beatrice is like, okay, thank you for not, uh, for not spilling the beans. You know, you know crap on Tara, uh, you know, till Wednesday. But uh, thank you for not uh, saying anything and continuing to keep the secret, even though there's no point in you keeping the secret any longer. Right, right. Well, Jesus is just a good secret keeper. So that's maybe what it was. But seriously, I doubt he's been there before. I don't know if there was an actual look between those two. Uh, maybe they're just sweet on each other, you know? I don't maybe. think so, because of what we learned about Jesus in the previous episode. But you uh, never you know. know. Sexuality is a spectrum. Absolutely. Just because he has boy had boyfriends does not mean he didn't have girlfriends. Very, very true. Yeah. Coming from a man with experience. <laughs> Sorry. All right. Ne- next, we have a call from Podcast Ken. Hello, Chris and Jason. This is Ken from the Pop Podcast and Podcast. Negan is always telling his underlings not to provoke or attack the people that are earning things for them. I honestly believe that Negan wants Rick to be his right hand man. And yet he winds up with scumbags like Rapey Davy. His offer to Sasha and her beach ball-sized lady nuts to join was sincere. I honestly believe that. 
I'm not saying that Negan is a nice guy by any means, but even I might have punished Rick's group after they wiped out the entire camp at the satellite station, killed the folks at the meetup, even to the point of burning them alive, not to mention the guys that Daryl blew up with the rocket-propelled grenade. So we're talking about 60 to 100 people. So offing two guys with a baseball bat may be extremely savage, but he had to let them know that he meant business. I think that it's sad that this show and its writers cannot operate with a little bit more of a shades of gray concerning Negan. It seems that this show always needs us to have our villains be 100% villains so that we hate them. They are missing out on a bunch of great storytelling by not exploring these shades of gray. Once again, Chris and Jason, I'd like to say thank you for entertaining us weekly here on the Talking Dead podcast and keep up the great work. Signed, Ken, at the center of the universe in Nowhere, Arkansas. Thank you, Ken. I hope you're enjoying yourself in the center of the universe there. Uh, I've always been told that where I live is the center of the universe. Uh, Toronto, yeah. Most people uh, that live there believe that. That's true. And I don't think we're wrong. <laughs> and that's uh, how we got that. It just happens to be that I know where the center of the universe is. Oh, and it's not here? It's a bolt in the basement of a house uh, on 2nd Avenue in the Sioux. I decided that at a party while extremely drunk uh, back in the 90s that that particular bolt at the bottom of that post in the basement was the center of the universe and me and a couple other people hung out there all night. Sounds like a good time. <laughs> it was a good time. It was a good night. Anyways, uh, Ken's call goes back to what we talked about at the beginning that uh, do you really fault Negan for what he did to Glenn and Abraham? Rick and everyone killed like 50 or 60 of his guys. He comes along and he just kills two. It's not so bad. Fair's fair. Everybody's wrong. Everybody's wrong. That's the thing is that yeah. can you fault him? Yes, you can fault him, but you can also fault Rick for what he did. You can also fault everybody for what they did. Yeah, it's true. It, uh, that's, that's the problem. There's, there's good and bad to everyone. Uh, Negan does come across, come across generally as a pretty bad dude. Like he, they, they try to make him have such swagger but really he's pretty much evil all the time we haven't really seen negan do anything redeeming for the character yeah and that could be a problem i mean the, having the villain just be 100 percent evil that's never the way it is there's there's motivation there that maybe we're just not seeing yet with negan and maybe we will i don't know anyhow uh sticking with negan for now joe in the uk writes chris why do you have a problem with negan so much is it due to the difference between the show and the comic book? I'm not a reader. He, you say he is too cartoony, but I think this is on purpose. It helps make him so unpredictable, and uh, so therefore the fear that surrounds Negan is increased. I think we can liken this to something like the Joker from Batman dressing as a clown. The Joker is crazy, but he dresses like a crown at a clown and acts a certain way because it creates an unknown entity the scene from the dark knight where the joker walks into the meeting of all the gang lords is an example of this and there's a similar parallel to this and the head bashing scene i wouldn't be surprised if jdm took his inspiration from heath ledger's batman oh my god and then heath ledger when uh, he wanted to kill the batman they asked him what his price would be and he said half and what does negan want half half I think there's a parallel here. Yeah. My problem with Negan and I've, you know, I've been into it for a long time is that I just can't take the character seriously. I just think that's too over the top and I can see what 
what uh, Joe is saying, that it, it makes him unpredictable. It takes you off your guard. If you're, if Negan's talking to you, you can't really size him up. You don't know what to make of this weird, crazy guy who leans back when he speaks and, and has uh, such a strange way of, of expressing himself. Um, and I get that, but it, I just find it doesn't work that well on, uh, as a villain on a TV show. And I just find him goofy instead of menacing. And I, I, I want a little less goofy and a little more menacing. I don't want to get all or one or whatever. And I feel like we're way too far on the goofy side right now. So that's that. Well, what if we had uh, Heath Ledger back, which I personally would like, and he played Negan? Do you think that would work? You never know. It might work. I, I think it, it could. And, and then JDM could go play the Joker. I don't know if that would work. Yeah, I don't know either, but it's too bad that Heath Ledger won't be playing the Joker anymore because that was one of my favorite on-screen performances of all time. And it's uh, the Heath Ledger Joker is one of my favorite Lego minifigures of all time. I really like that minifigure. <laughs> is it actually a Heath Ledger one? Yeah. Cool. So it came with the uh, uh, the Ultimate Collector Series Tumblr. There's a Batman and a Heath Ledger Joker minifigure sticking oh, with it. Oh, that's very, the very cool. only place you can get it is that UCS Tumblr. And you have one. And I have one, and they don't make it anymore. So if I see it in a store, I should buy it? You should definitely buy it. Okay. It'd be redonkulously expensive, but try it anyway. No, I just mean if I walked into a shop somewhere and it was like leftover stock that was in the back room for a couple of years and it was behind, it fell off the back of the shelf and then someone found it and just threw it out on the store, out on the shelf for sale at retail price. And they have no idea uh, what Lego is or how... Oh, expensive. Come on. You don't think would be, you don't think that like just some stock kid, you know, knows that Lego appreciates in value like that. They might just throw it out on the shop. You'd have have to get lucky, but I'm just saying. You would have to get very lucky. I'm just saying. It it is possible. Your best bet is to go to smaller mom and pop shops that uh, don't sell Lego anymore because Lego only sells through major retailers now. Uh, Anyway, I don't know how we, oh, I know exactly how we got off on this topic, but anyway, Heath Ledger, Joker, good. Uh, parallels with Negan. Very, yes. There, there, yes. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. All right. Where the heck are we? Michael in London? That's correct. All right. So we have, uh, the next email is from Michael in London. <laughs> Wait a minute. Who? <laughs> Michael in London. Wonderful. Uh, uh, Michael writes, I never, ever thought I would say this. I am starting to warm to Negan. Think about it. Everyone uh, he has captured so far, Carl, Eugene, and Sasha, although they have all been tied directly or indirectly, what? Tried. They have all tried to directly or indirectly kill him. This is the first time I remember reading anything. Uh, (laughs) He has taken them in and making uh, making them swear they will follow the rules, and he has actually been all right to them. The only time he actually gets violent or wants to kill any of them is when they do not follow his rules, which uh, don't seem that strict. When he killed Abraham and Glenn, he made the point that it was partly in retaliation for Rick's group starting off uh, and killing Negan's men first. Also, all the time uh, we are seeing the saviors being absolute bellends, Negan is very rarely there with them. Simon, Dwight, and the other Wally who meets the <laughs> kingdom seems to be doing uh, doing it to prove a point and to score brownie points rather than uh, because they're being forced to act that way. Yes, Negan is a prick, a total tosspot. However, <laughs> he is he any worse than the governor or the terminus cannibals? I'm going to say I don't know. But the one person that Michael in London doesn't 
mention is Daryl. I don't think Negan was very nice to Daryl. Sure, Carl, Eugene, and Sasha so far, you know, he's kind of been okay to them, I guess. He was not cool to Daryl. Well, he he made the offer to Daryl, and Daryl said, go fuck yourself, whereas everybody else was like, yeah, okay. Well, right? kind of. Carl just sort of went along with him because he didn't know what to do once he got there. Eugene... Uh, he's a kid with one eye. Negan thinks that co- that's cool. Right, and that's right. True, so he treated him okay. Eugene was Negan right from the beginning, and Sasha, he just threw in a cell, and he's offering her a part, you know, at his side. Uh, Daryl... He tortured Daryl. He kept him naked in a cell. He told Dwight to break this guy and make him one of us. So I don't know that you can argue that Negan was really nice to everybody. Um, but is he not that bad? Are the rules not that strict? Strict? Yeah, I don't know. I'm not sure I'd like to be there. I Well, yeah, I'd be Negan. I'd yeah. be like, sure, what skills can I offer you? Do you need... Uh... I'm not even sure what skills I could offer. I could, you know, source Lego for you, <laughs> tell you what's worth it. Maybe lawn cutting, grass cutting, snow I shoveling. I like cutting the lawn. I just, you know, if there's a, a driveway to shovel, I'd rather shovel a driveway than cut the lawn. Well, there you go. You could do that. Keep the roads around the sanctuary clear of snow. Sadly, the best thing I could probably offer it is, is to be one of those molten covered zombies stuck to the fence. Yeah. That's probably the best thing that. I could offer. Well, that would be unfortunate, but... Oh, let's hope not this, this zombie apocalypse doesn't happen because this is the only... It, you know, I won't survive. Because <laughs> you're screwed. Uh, all right, a couple more here. Laura in Charlotte, North Carolina writes, Does anyone else take issue with the fact that Negan won't allow rape or any rapey behavior, but has a legion of wives that I am sure are not willing to be having a sexual relationship with him? I would say that if a woman feels obligated to have sex in order to save her life or the life of a loved one, that's pretty close to rape, if not rape by definition. I think this is very telling of Negan's moral code and what he thinks is and is not acceptable by his standards. Uh, yeah, you know, forcing someone to have sex with you under duress is rape. Yes? Yeah, I would. That's a pretty good definition of it. Uh, or one definition of it. Um, but he says rape is not allowed, yet he has a group of wives that, you know, he keeps because they're trying to save a loved one in some cases. <sighs> yeah. You know, maybe rape is not allowed by you. Uh, yes. The rules apply <laughs> differently to different people, maybe. Which makes... Maybe, uh, maybe you have to hold the bat to rape somebody. It, uh, it makes... Either way, it makes Negan a pretty bad guy. Oh, he's totally a bad guy. Yeah, and and you're absolutely right. Uh, he is, uh, yeah, he's forcing those women to have sex with him, so he's raping them. Or You should call him Rapey Negan. Yeah, well, we should start calling him that. I mean, at, at the very least, he's an inconsistent guy. He, hasn't, he doesn't have the rules nailed down so much. He needs to write them down, put them up on a wall somewhere, <laughs> and uh, everyone can follow those rules, including That's himself. Right. All animals are equal, but some are more equal than others. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right. Now, so the last one we have here is a call from Mike in New Brunswick. The call quality on this one is sort of bad, so I apologize for that. But hopefully, hopefully you can hear what uh, Mike is saying, unlike me, who can't talk at all. Thanks. Cool. Hey, Jason and Chris. 
I was just wondering, because I've listened to several podcasts and spoken to a few people who have watched the show, and no one seems to have picked up on the fact that Eugene only gave Sasha one of the two pills he had made. Because the girl said, oh, you better make two of them just in case. And that's how he figured out they didn't want them for the girl. They wanted them for Negan, and then he kept them. Because why would they need two? Eugene still has a pill. I don't know if anyone's picked up on that. Maybe I'm missing something, but I'm pretty sure Eugene still has a pill. Anyway, this is Mike from New Brunswick. Thanks a lot. Right, so uh, Mike points out that Eugene did make two pills, and only one made it to Sasha. So where's the other one? Still with Eugene, I guess. Yeah, Eugene still has a pill. That's uh, absolutely correct. Maybe it's a one for you, one for me kind of thing. If you take the pill, Sasha, I'll take the other pill and we'll die together and be happy. Well, do you think it's important? I mean, I I was saying earlier this week that I do think the pills have to come back. They still have to play a role in this season, probably in the season finale. Yep. But um, it started me thinking after listening to uh, Mike's call that maybe it's sort of back to that old save the last one mentality, right? where save the last bullet for yourself, Eugene's got the last pill for himself. That's true. Or he can always make another one, right? Like, Well, I guess, but he had to skip the, you know, jump the line and, you know, pull rank on on somebody to get the ingredients for the pills. So maybe he has enough stuff. I don't know. I'm sure he could make another pill if he needs it. But yeah, that uh, I think that pill that Eugene still has, actually, I think the pill that Sasha has, they're both going to be important. Yeah, well, I assume that the Sasha pill would be important. The other one, the assumption only is that Eugene still has it. So who knows? Who knows where that's going to show up? Maybe those pills will join each other's company once again and be used at the same time somehow. I don't know. Could be. All right. Thanks, everyone, for writing in. I just want to do, Jason, now a quick segment uh, that we haven't done in a while, and that's going to be next time or next week on The Walking Dead. And um, there's a couple of uh, things I want to do here because I feel like there's a lot going on in the show right now, and I don't think they're going to wrap it all up or resolve some of the stuff that they have going on in the season finale. So uh, I just made four quick points here of, of things we have sort of on the go. We've got Gregory who's going to see the saviors. We don't know what, what how that's going to play out, unless we do already, and Gregory's the little birdie. But assuming he's not, we've got him going to see the, sa- see the saviors. We've got Rick and the gang bringing guns back to the scavengers and presumably going to go and start the fight with Negan uh, with the hilltop and the uh, kingdom and the scavengers and I guess not Oceanside, but uh, everybody else. So we've got right. that going on we've got rick and dwight or at least what dwight is doing there and how he's going to factor in in whatever happens in the season finale and then we've got sasha and eugene doing stuff as like we've talked about with the pills and sasha's captive and and uh and eugene is in there whether he's working an angle or being an inside man or whatever you know we don't know and those are just four things we probably have other things going on as well too and I just have a hard time thinking that in one episode, all of these things are going to come together 
and maybe not get resolved, but at least play out a little bit more. Because the trend lately has been to, on the show, I think, sort of compartmentalize the storylines a little bit. And, you know, we get one episode about this character and another episode about this character, which which is okay. I'm, you know, that's that's fine on its own. But all of this is to say, what do you think is going to happen in the season finale? How far are we going to get to resolving any of these storylines? Or... Is it just going to be about one or two of them and the rest are going to be left hanging for season eight? I think a lot of stuff is going to be hanging for season eight. I think like the end of season six, where we had uh, a really crappy cliffhanger, I think we're going to get something similar this time. I think it's going to be a little bit better because we've had some lessons learned from the last uh, last season to this season, but uh, I don't think they're going to... If they tie up anything... Uh, well, they'll tie up Gregory going to see the saviors, but that's about it. Yeah, I could see that too. But don't you think though that we'll at least we'll at least get some confirmation on whether or not the scavengers are really on board with this plan? Like maybe we'll see Rick go back there with the guns and say, "Here are all the guns. Now let's go do something," and we'll see the outcome of that. Either the scavengers will say, "Great." we're on board or something will happen that will reveal that they're not on board and they've been playing them all this time. I feel like that's a possibility too. Yeah, it is. I, I just, I, I'm trying to psych myself up for non-resolution in the season finale. Right. <laughs> yeah. That, uh, I'm, I'm, I just hope there's not too much non-resolution here because it was so unsatisfying at the end of season six and like you said there's some lessons learned and Kirkman at one point came out and said you know would we do another uh, cliffhanger like that maybe not so I don't think we're going to get such a massive cliffhanger but I do hope that they 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 pay off some of the things they've been teasing and what they've been teasing this year is this giant battle with the saviors Think about it. The whole second half of this season has been about Rick recovering from being at rock bottom, gathering the weapons and the people he needs to take on the saviors. If we don't get at least a little bit of that, I feel like it's going to be a really massive season six level letdown. I think we're going to get what we got with uh, Sasha running into the, uh, the saviors compound. I think we're going to get everything leading up to the battle and then the show's going to, or the season's going to end and then we'll get the actual battle next season. Yeah, but I, I, yeah, you, you could be right. I wouldn't be surprised if you're right, but I do feel like that's going to be season six all over again, where they're building up to something that they don't pay off and they make us wait. Um, and I'm going to try my best. If that happens, I'm going to try my best not to complain about it because this is what they do. Uh, but I just, don't know if that's what I want out of this season finale. I'm not saying the whole thing has to be resolved. I'm not saying Negan has to be dead and everyone moves into uh, his big building and lives happily ever after. But I feel like if you tell us for a whole season that we're going to fight this guy, you probably need to at least start fighting him. Yeah, that'd be nice. Well, I, I agree with your optimism uh, or your idea that that, that would be an ideal uh, way to resolve the season. Right. So I don't know. We'll we'll have to see. But I just feel like there's a whole bunch of uh, plot threads that are just hanging there. And yeah. there's no way they're going to resolve them all. That's not what I'm saying. I, I mean, I don't think they need to. But 
they need to give us something. They need to resolve something or make some real progress towards whatever it is they've been building to, which they've been telling us is a big fight with the saviors. So yeah. they need to do that. Uh, we got one more call and one more email here, um, kind of on these topics. So uh, let's get to the first call. It's Jason in Ohio. Hey, Chris and Jason. Jason here from Ohio and a lot of Jasons. Well, I just want to say I've been listening to you guys for a few years now, and I really enjoy your podcast. I listen to it every single week. Uh, help me break down the episodes of my favorite television show. Uh, but I did need to make a one little comment here um, about uh, Season 7, Episode 14, The Other Side, uh, specifically with the conversation between uh, Gregory and Simon. Uh, Simon had given Gregory the address or map or whatever it was to the sanctuary. And I'm not sure which one of you two had made the comment, uh, but saying that now you, you're foretelling that this uh, note might somehow get in the hands of Rick and his group, and now they know where the sanctuary is. Well, Rick and his group already know where the sanctuary is because many of them have been there already, uh, including Carl, Jesus, and uh, Daryl. And uh, even though Carl might not know how to get back because, uh, you know, Negan drove him back, so I'm sure he was blindfolded or something. But, you know, Jesus and Daryl broke out of there and got back home. So they obviously know where it's at. So uh, there's no need for uh, anything to happen to Gregory and no, nothing to happen to the note because they already know about it. Uh, that's all I wanted to say. And uh, I can't wait for the next uh, episode here. Have a good day, gentlemen. Bye. Thanks, Jason. So I, I just want to play that because, you know, as we know, Gregory is on his I guess on his way there. Um, but yeah, Rick and everybody, they don't really need to know or they don't really need to find out where Negan is. They were on the highway. They saw his place and a bunch of them have already been there. So presumably kind of know how to get there. And of course we know that Sasha and Rosita were just there and Rosita came back. So um, that note seems to be important to Gregory and him getting there. However, that's going to work out and not to anybody else. I think an assumption we're making here is that Simon uh, lives at the sanctuary. Uh, we know that uh, the saviors have other compounds. You remember that compound with the with the big uh, satellite dishes? Yeah, of course. Where there was a bunch of people living there. What if Simon's place is somewhere else that Gregory now has the address of and not the actual uh, compound? Well, that's very, very interesting. When you started that sentence, I'm like, oh, you're an idiot. Of course he lives at the sanctuary. But now that you say that, I'm like, oh, my God, of course he doesn't live there. He probably lives somewhere else. Because we haven't seen him there, have we? Have we seen Simon there? Yes. We saw him come back there when Rosita oh, yeah. and were looking through the scope. That's because he was delivering something right. to that location. That's not necessarily where he lives. No, There true. might be a whole other uh, subcompound. Uh, that uh, where Simon lives. If I was Simon, I'd live somewhere else. Oh my because god! Because I'd be such an awesome dude that I would live in the best place in the world. Yeah. Well, right? um, I I feel like that. Oh god! I feel like, like a that's... Doritos factory. <laughs> sure, a pillow <laughs> factory. Um, uh, no, I think you might be totally onto something here, Gregory. We don't even know Gregory's going to the sanctuary. He might just be going to some other outpost and that's what's going to happen, you know, on next week's episode. Yeah. 
Oh, we just man. have to be careful of the assumptions we make, right? Yes, you always should be. So, uh, great point. Great point, both Jasons in Ohio and Pickering. Yeah, Where awesome. you live. I'm just letting everyone know that. <laughs> okay, thanks. <laughs> Who should read this last email, me or you? Uh, I'll read it. All uh, right. Except for the name. Chung Lee? Chung Lee in California. Chung Lee in California. Uh I was, list- I was listening to the opinions of Eugene as to whether or not he was still in the group or has become a genuine Negan. I think we may be missing the big picture here. If there's an attack on Negan's compound by our group with the, sca- uh, with the scavengers, the hilltop, the kingdom, kingdom in Oceanside, who except the people in our group will know who Eugene is? Let's say that Alexandria has 20 rebel fighters, the Hilltop 20 to 25, Scavengers 50 to 100, and Oceanside 50 to 75. We're looking at approximately 14 and 9% chance of Eugene surviving an attack on Negan's compound, unless someone in our group spots him first, which would be contrived given the odds. Uh, If he is spotted by someone from... Uh, one of the other communities with guns ablazing, then where his loyalties lie will be kind of a moot point and he'll pay the ultimate price for being Negan, even if he was disingenuous. Which brings up another point. How will all the communities combined know who and uh, who is not Negan if the battle ensues? Maybe a colored cloth armband? Yeah, so um, they don't really know each other that well. So how yeah. are they going to know who's who if if it's a giant like battlefield of of people running around? But more importantly, if Eugene is just out there and somebody from the Scavengers or the Hilltop encounters him first, he looks like a Negan. He dresses like a Negan. He's in Negan's place. They might just shoot him and not ask any questions. All right. So we know our group is not going to shoot Negan. And right. we know the scavengers is, are not going to shoot Negan. Or, uh, sorry, uh, sorry, shoot Eugene. You know uh, how we know that? How do we know that? His haircut. Very <laughs> similar to the scavengers' haircut. Why would anybody in the scavengers shoot anybody with a haircut like that? And fair that enough. talk's funny, right? Yeah, fair enough. Yep. Okay. So uh, that, you know, that eliminates that right there. Oceanside, they'd probably shoot Eugene. Probably, uh, but they're not going, so. Hilltop yeah. knows who Eugene is. Well, assume. has he ever been to the hilltop? I can't think of a time. I don't think Gregory or anybody knows who Eugene is. So oh, the, Gregory's not going to be involved in the battle. Why? Gregory's going to be sitting back drinking, uh, making uh, Cal bring him booze and drive him around in no, his I know Mercedes that. or something. I know, I know. I know Gregory wouldn't. But if Gregory doesn't know who he is, I don't think anyone else at the hilltop knows who he is. So hilltop and kingdom people, which still... Um, counts for a fair number of people have no idea who Eugene is. So when they show up and they start shooting and there goes a guy with a mullet running around and uh, a stuffed toy hanging out of his pocket, they might, <laughs> they might just... What call that? Do you remember what he called that? Yeah, Grumbly Gook or Grundle Fly <laughs> or something. Yeah, I can't remember. I'm definitely getting my son at one of them. One of those. Anyways, it's just, yeah, whether he's full Negan or not, he better be careful if they charge in there and start shooting. Well, he's just going to hunker down and uh, throw his hands up in the air and, you know, beg and cry and plead and, you know, say, don't shoot me, don't shoot me. Uh, I have Yar's Revenge for anybody who wants to play it. You know, so (laughs) I don't think he's going to get shot. But yeah, you you know, Chung Lee has a very uh, important point here is that we have a lot of... Uh, groups that are not necessarily familiar with each other, all going into a compound. It's just going to be a huge clusterfuck. People are going to be, there's going to be friendly fire. There's going to be, which, you know, 
friendly fire isn't, but there's going to be lots of shooting going on, and uh, maybe they do need colored armbands to distinguish friend from foe. Maybe, and uh, I just think that maybe the whole season finale is going to be them getting to know each other and training for this fight, and it won't <laughs> be any kind of fight, because you need an army that works together, right? Yeah. Well, the be- I think the best thing to do is to get the blue paint as in Braveheart and you just paint everybody's faces different, uh, you know, camo patterns of blue. Mm-hmm. That way you know who uh, who to shoot and who not to shoot. So blue face, don't shoot. Non-blue face, shoot. That's right. That's All exactly right. right. I guess it could be as simple as that. All right. Well, uh, we'll see what happens on the season finale. It's only a couple of days away. I'm extremely excited. Really, really looking forward to it. I hope it's amazing, and I hope we're not podcasting on Monday talking about the same way we did about the season six finale. Yeah. Um, So, of course, as I said, we'll be back on Monday for that. Now, the title of episode 16 is The First Day of the Rest of Your Life. So if you'd like to send a title read in to us, please record yourself reading that and send it to talkingdeadpodcast at gmail.com. I'll be honest with you, Jason, that title makes me feel like I know how the, the uh, episode is going to end. Uh, and that's based on some comic book knowledge I have, which I will not get into right now. But that does, that title does imply something to me. And I know it probably means nothing to you, but we'll see. So I have, uh, I have high hopes for the season finale. The only thing about the first day of the rest of your life is that it could also be the last day of the rest of your life. Yeah, it very much could be. So, so. you know, who knows? Who knows what's gonna how it's going to all go down. Uh, okay, well, thanks so much, everyone, for sending in your feedback and your calls. It, al- it is always super fun to receive, you know, everything from everybody. And uh, it's, you know, just great to read it and talk about it here. So keep doing it. If you'd like, you can visit Talking Dead Podcast at uh, dot com, talkingdeadpodcast.com <laughs> and click on send voicemail. Maybe you should do the end from now no, on. No, 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 no. I don't have the uh, the notes in front of me. I couldn't remember. It's the face something. Yeah, we're on the face something at facebook.com slash the talking dead. Face something.com. <laughs> The Facey pages, right? Right, right. That's it, too. Uh, At Talking Dead on Twitter. And our email address is TalkingDeadPodcast at gmail.com. And uh, find all of our episodes at TalkingDeadPodcast.com in case you want to go back to the very beginning in the next couple of days and just listen to everything one more time. Uh, Send us, or I mean, leave us an iTunes review, if you don't mind, in, in the iTunes store. That is greatly appreciated, and you never know, it might help us get featured in there, which would be wonderful. And visit us on Patreon if you get a chance at patreon.com slash the talking dead. All right. Uh, looking forward to the season finale. Jason, send in your title reads. And uh, until then, yeah, do a title read. You should do one. Why not? <laughs> I saw you make a face when I said that. Well, you said, Jason, send in your title reads. And I was like, what? I got I to do what now? <laughs> I got to do something else? Come on. Well, you got two You know days. I don't like doing stuff, Chris. Ah, that's true. Who likes doing stuff? Um, okay, that's it. Until next time, my name is Chris. My name is Jason. Thanks for listening. Bye.